<clears throat> On behalf of the family, I would thank you for coming here to the funeral service of Stuart. We extend our sympathies to Marjorie, who has lost her beloved husband, to Fiona, Neil, and Mark, who have lost her dear father, and to his grandchildren, Claire and Michael, and to all other family members. I'm going to begin by reading a family tribute. Stuart was born on 23rd July 1939 to George and Charlotte Walker in Boindy near Banff in Aberdeenshire. He was an identical twin, having been born a matter of minutes ahead of his brother Gordon. They were brought up along with their older brothers George and Tom and sister Charlotte, who died at a young age when Stuart was only 11 years old. Stuart was the last surviving sibling. The Walker family moved to the Tornagreen area and settled there when Stuart was in early primary school. He continued to live in that neighborhood in the family home for a number of years until he got married. Upon leaving school, Stuart took up employment with the local council. He worked for the water department, traveling across the wide territory of the highlands and islands. His main project was overseeing the installation of pipe water on the island of Eriskay in the Outer Hebrides in the early 1960s. Back then, there was no causeway and travel to the island was by boat, so Stuart spent long periods of time on the island. He grew to love it and its people. Eriskay provided some unique and very fond memories, and at times, Stuart must have felt like he was on the set of the film Whiskey Galore. He recalled an incident when he was responsible for draining a lock on the island. As the water was drained, the lock gave up his 20-year-old secrets. And some of the 28,000 cases of malt whiskey which had been salvaged and hidden by locals when the SS politician ran aground. He noted that none of them revealed by the lock were drinkable. Despite working away from home for long periods, Stuart found time to woo and marry the woman of his dreams. Stuart and Marjorie got married in Inverness on 2nd October 1964. In February 1966, with the impending birth of their first child, Stuart took up a job with the Scottish Ambulance Service in order to be closer to home and travel less to work. Fiona was born in April 1966, followed by Neil and Mark over the next few years. Stuart's character and temperament were ideally suited to the Scottish Ambulance Service, where he started off as an ambulance technician and driver before being promoted to station control officer later in his career. He was calm, caring, compassionate, and sympathetic, as well as reliable, practical, level-headed, and unflappable. Having said that, his former colleagues will tell you that the focus required for the job was lightened by his unique sense of humor and irreverent predictions about the direction the service was taking. Like everyone in his profession, he faced many challenges in the course of his job, not least being called out to a serious road traffic accident, only to find the passenger trapped in the car was his own father. His life and that of his fellow crew members was put in danger on more than one occasion, 
although we didn't talk much about it. But the job was not all drama and blue lights. He grew very fond of some of his regular patients in the early days, especially the children in his care, even naming his daughter Fiona after one of his young frequent flyer patients. He delivered a, few, a fair few babies in his time and it was also a joy to welcome new life into the world. Stuart and Marjorie ran a very traditional family home. Stuart was a loving and devoted husband and father, providing a solid and nurturing upbringing for their three children. In particular, he encouraged Neil and Mark's curiosity involvement in common interests and hobbies such as fishing, snooker and golf. But as he never quite scored a maximum 147 break in snooker, he was proud to have achieved a hole-in-one in golf. Mark recalls that he always threw the short straw, and although the youngest and smallest, he was usually this designated caddy who ended up dragging the golf bag across the ground by the end of the game. Stewart's other hobbies included playing competitive darts as a young man to gardening, DIY, and cooking throughout his life and into retirement. As a keen gardener in particular, Stuart encouraged Neil and Mark when they were young boys to join them in cutting the grass and weeding the flower beds. Looking back, they thought, it, they thought it seemed easier to pull everything out and not distinguish between flowers and weeds. Stuart kept an allotment and was always proud of his homegrown vegetables. Neil and Mark recall he told them the trick was not to place the fork too close to the potato stalks and risk spiking the tatties. Under his supervision, the boys were allowed to help with home painting and decorating, even if they were initially only mixing the wallpaper paste and pasting the paper. It made them feel very grown up and created a fun environment in which they learned very valuable life skills from their dad at an early age. Although he was happier to leave Marjorie to support Fiona's hobbies such as dancing, he was also on hand to act as chief taxi driver transporting them to classes, festivals, and competitions. The somewhat traditional gender split in the Walker household came at a price for some. Stuart wholeheartedly embraced teaching Neil and Mark to drive, but his, had his patience stretched by Fiona, causing his budding side career as a driving instructor to falter, with Fiona finishing her course of lessons with a professional instructor. They had some bizarre disagreement about Fiona's hair in the car, or maybe their characters were just too similar. All three of his children are very grateful for their loving, stable, and nurturing upbringing, and are proud to recognize some of their dad's traits in each of them. Stuart embraced and supported their life choices, spouses, and partners. He very much loved his son-in-law, Donald, and doted on his grandchildren, Claire and Michael and great-grandson, Riley. Of course, the family extended beyond the human species and the family had a number of pets. Stuart, in particular, loved the family Jack Russell dogs and was a familiar sight in the neighborhood, walking them with his flat cap and pipe. In the last month or so of his life, Stuart enjoyed the company of a family dog again when he and Marjorie looked after his sister, her sister's West Highland Terrier, Buddy, while his donor was in hospital. Stuart's devotion to the welfare of children reached beyond his own family. For a number of years, he was an officer in the Hilton Boys Brigade, 
which provided opportunities for young boys to learn, grow, and discover in a safe and caring environment rooted in the Christian faith. He encouraged them to make friends, develop skills, build confidence, take responsibility, and make a real difference in their own community. Years later, some of the young lads in his care still remember him with deep respect and fondness. A common thread throughout Stuart and Marjorie's lives has been their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Stuart had a quiet but sure and steady faith which shaped his life and friendships and was manifested in many practical ways. As a team, they have been a huge support to each other in their service to God and others. Marjorie was for many years a leader in child support and child-based ministry through Sunday school creche, mother and toddler groups, as well as youth clubs. None of that could have been achieved without Stuart's unstinting support from the wings, from doing guard duty on the door to taking to cytotaxine and helping with arts and crafts. In previous congregations and in his younger days, Stuart was an elder and very much put his practical skills and gifts to good use in taking responsibility for the fabric and grounds of the church. He could often be seen painting, cutting grass, and tending the gardens. He was not a front and center sort of person, but along with Marjorie, provided quiet support and encouragement to their ministers and wives, as well as to the lonely and vulnerable. Their pastoral work would more than not go unnoticed as they sought no glory for their work. Stuart had a real servant heart and deep compassion for those less fortunate than himself. Many people in the Highlands will have benefited directly from Stuart's selflessness without having met him. He was a regular blood donor for all his adult life and was among those with the highest number of donations in the area. His donations have almost certainly saved lives. During his long working life, Stuart never had a day off sick until the very end of his career, when he ultimately had to retire due to ill health in 2002. Despite a few health grumbles, he enjoyed a relatively long and active retirement. Stuart and Marjorie were seldom seen apart over his later, latter years. They loved spending time with their family and attentively supported older family members as they found themselves on their own. Stuart enjoyed keeping in touch with his ambulance service colleagues and looked forward to regular lunches with fellow retirees. Over the past few years, both Stuart and Marjorie have felt very at home in Greyfriars Free Church, where they have valued both the ministry and friendships made. Stuart will be remembered as a real old-fashioned gentleman, always smartly turned out and seldom without a collar and tie. He loved his family fiercely, and they loved him back in equal measure. He always had a twinkle in his eye and a mischievous sense of humor. He was compassionate and kind-hearted, always willing to go out of his way to help others. He was cheery and could always be heard singing or whistling around the house. You could hear him before you saw him. Stuart's family and friends will miss him more than words can convey. Although they grieve, they take comfort that he fell asleep in the arms of his Savior and is now with his heavenly Father. They are eternally grateful that he'd an anchor that kept his soul steadfast and sure.
Where do we go at such a time as this? The answer is to God through his word. It is often the case with regard to God's word that at the close of life we turn to passages that we learned at the onset of life. That's going to happen in the Psalms or we are going to sing. We'll sing the first one now. Psalm 121 and we'll stand to sing it's a psalm that reminds us that God can take care of us throughout life I to the hills will lift mine eyes from whence doth come my need my safety cometh from the Lord who heaven and earth hath made if you're able we'll stand to sing Donald, who's an elder here in Greyfriars, he will now engage in prayer. The Lord will keep my soul, he shall preserve thee from all ill. Henceforth thy going out and in, God keep forever will. What precious words. Let us now call upon God's name in prayer. Let us pray. Most gracious and eternal God, 
We are thankful that you are the God who speaks into our times of darkness and our times of struggle as well as the times of joy and peace. And we are thankful that you are the God of providence and that you know the end from the beginning. So we pray that you would grant us your presence as we worship you now. Lord, we thank you for that reflection of Stuart's life. And we thank you for the fact that he lived by faith. But now we rejoice to know that he died in faith, as we were reminded. And we thank you that he is now in the very presence of his Savior. Lord, we thank you that we can focus this time of year upon the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you that we can look back in time to a time when he was in a manger. And as we look into that manger, we see there the Lord Jesus Christ, God and man in two distinct natures, yet one person forever. Lord, we thank you that the Apostle John looks back even further to the very creation, where in covenant love the Father gave to his Son an elect people for whom in time he would die. And we thank you that he did come into this world as the God-man because as the divine, as the divine son, he couldn't die. But in his human nature, which he added to his person, he was able to go to that cursed cross at Calvary to redeem us from our sins. And we thank you that we can look beyond that as we look backwards in time to a time when he lived in this life, a perfect life, under the law. We thank you, Lord, that he went to the cross, paid the ultimate penalty to redeem his people, and ascended up to the Father, having satisfied divine justice. Lord, we look to Jesus today, sitting at the right hand of the Father, where he has continued to work for his people as their intercessor. What a great God, what a great Savior is ours. And we thank you that Stuart is now in the very presence of his Savior. Oh Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today as we worship and as we remember Stuart's life. And we thank you that he has left his mark upon us. We thank you for the memories that we have. And we thank you that he was precious to many. And we thank you that many of his work colleagues are here today in respect of a life well lived. But we pray especially today for his dear family. And we, speak especially, we pray especially for Marjorie. Lord, we thank you for the 59 years they had together. And we thank you, Lord, for their family. But we realize that now Marjorie is lonely. But we thank you that you are the God of promise. And you are the one who promised that you will never leave or not forsake her. You have promised that underneath her will always be the everlasting arms. 
And our prayer is that she would be very conscious of that reality. Lord, we also pray for the family as they support Marjorie in the coming days. We thank you for Fiona and Donald and Mark and Neil. And we pray that you would bless them at the loss of a father who was dear to them and a father-in-law. So we pray that you would uphold them and may they look to you to fill that void that is now in their hearts. You are a God who knows how to fill that void for you are indeed the balm of Gilead. You are the one who can make empty places full and bend without hurting. Lord, we pray that that would indeed be their experience. Lord, we also pray for the grandchildren clear and we pray that you would bless her and Michael we also pray for the grandchild Riley and we pray that they would have memories of a loving grandfather and great grandfather so we commend them as a family today and we commend them to our saviour and we pray that, as, that you would speak to us today as we gather to worship here to remember Stuart and his love for a saviour Lord, we pray that you would speak to every one of us, those of, our, those of us who are yours. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live by faith so that we might die in faith. But we also pray that you would bring those who as yet do not know you to that place where you brought us before we became your children. Like the publican of old, Lord, we pray that we would be beating upon our breasts and crying out, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. So Lord, speak to us today as we worship here this, this afternoon. Guide us, guard us, and Lord, keep us in the hollow of your hand. And may we be conscious of your great love for us. So hear us as we cry to you. Have mercy upon us and pardon our many, many sins. In the royal name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. I'm going, to read, <clears throat> I'm going to read some verses from the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. Revelation chapter 7 and verses 9 to 17. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these? 
clothed in white robes. And from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And may God bless that reading to us. God's word always speaks. And we have to ask ourselves, what is he saying to us in the passage we have just read? I'm going to make a few suggestions. A long time ago, someone asked me if I could see myself in the Bible. I thought it was quite a strange question. But then I was told that there's a picture in Revelation chapter 7 of everyone that will yet be in heaven, of that great multitude that no one can count. We've all seen pictures of large crowds. And if the camera is good enough, we can identify some of the people who are there. Well, that... Um, picture in Revelation chapter 7. Every person is in a clear focus. And I'm sure we can, just through a use of um, our imagination, picture those who we know who have gone there already. People go there every day into the Lord's presence. And the day came for Stuart to go. And that's where he went to, to be in the presence of God with all the others. Hopefully a day will come at some stage when all of us will go. But of course, the way to get there is to trust in Jesus. And Stuart did that, as we have heard. <coughs> Something else the passage tells us.
Often it is said today that the Christian faith is small and irrelevant and something merely historical. Well, that picture reminds us that eventually the number who will be gathered round the throne in heaven will be beyond counting. It's a number that no one can count. Billions and billions who down the centuries have trusted in Jesus. And among them was Stuart. And he has discovered that the God to whom he committed himself whenever that time was in his life when he became a Christian he discovered that the God he committed himself to kept his promise and brought him safely to the heavenly world. What else does the passage tell us? Today we live in a world where there are countless problems. Some are enormous and others in the balance of the scales are relatively small. But whatever life is, there are problems. But that picture we saw of where Stuart now is, it's a place of no problems, that they hunger no more and they thirst no more. And that picture is given to us as an incentive, as an information Now there is a world where the environment is peace and where there are no such things as problems. And that's where Stuart is. In life, we are helped and encouraged and strengthened by meeting people of great capabilities. Stuart met the one with the most capabilities. He met him when he trusted in him, when he met Jesus. Jesus well, that's who Stuart is with. True, there is a number that no one can count. And true it is that he may have met many there whom he knew in this life. But the one he was most pleased to meet was Jesus. And in ways that we cannot yet work out. He is never going to be apart from Jesus again. 
as Paul reminds us in another passage, that we shall be forever with the Lord. And it doesn't matter how large the number is. All of them are with the Lord. And Stuart now is in the hands, we want to put it this way, of the most competent and capable person there is, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're all there in his presence. And even in the words we read, we're reminded that he's still their shepherd. He cares for them. We don't just need a shepherd to take us in through the bad things in life. We sometimes need someone to help us cope with the good things in life. Because sometimes they can be so overpowering. And in the world of glory that's ahead, in which Stuart has joined as far as his spirit is concerned, and one day he'll be there at the resurrection with his body. But the one who's going to help him appreciate, and if we want to use the word cope, cope with the glory of heaven, is Jesus himself. He's with Christ. As Paul said, that is far better. The last thing I just want to point out is that Stuart's and all the ones in that great number. They've got an incredible future. Life doesn't end when they get to heaven. There's almost a sense in that life begins when they get to heaven. And the, certainly as far as spiritual things are concerned, and the, we're told in that passage that we read that what Jesus will do for all of them, all that great number, including Stuart, what he'll do for all of them is lead each of them to the fountains of the waters of life. And that's a picture of eternal springs, endless satisfaction, increased capacity to take in what God has to give. I'm sure if we could speak to Stuart, he would say many things to us. But I suspect the one thing he would say to us is that all of us would make sure we reach the same destination that he has reached. And he would tell us that we should do what he did. And that was to commit his life into the hands of Jesus.
And now today he would say to us, Jesus took me to heaven. And that's where he'll be forever. We'll engage in prayer. Lord, we come to you, the God of all comfort. We know that we can comfort one another. But none of us, or even all of us together, can give all comfort. But we thank you, Lord, that you are able to give all comfort, all kinds of comfort. You can give comfort to Marjorie, who has lost her husband, her companion. And we pray that you would be doing that for her today and every day. And that you would reveal yourself as the constant comforter. We pray for Fiona, Neil and Mark that you would remember them as they have lost their father and as we read earlier about the many ways he influenced them we thank you Lord for that and we pray that you yourself the Heavenly Father, that you would comfort them as only you can. Lord, draw near to them, we pray, and remember them. Remember Claire and Michael as well, and Riley. And we just ask that you would give them comfort and that they would each find you to be the one who can draw near and help. We thank you that you are the one who can be our refuge and our strength, the place we can go to when life and all, all that it brings becomes too much for us. So Lord, remember the family the wider family members as well. We pray that they would discover you to be the God who is merciful and gracious. Help them in their sorrow and bless them, we pray. And remember each one of us, and may all of us remind ourselves of that wonderful place to where Stuart has gone. So bless us, Lord, we pray, for your own name's sake. Amen. <coughs> we'll sing Psalm 23, a well-known psalm. Someone once asked, what's the most significant word in the psalm? because there are many significant words in it. 
one answer to that question is that the most significant word is the word my. The Lord's my shepherd. And as we sing the psalm, perhaps we should look out for how often the personal pronoun is used. We'll stand to sing the Lord's my shepherd. the items that are mentioned on the back page of the order of service. 
Once again, the family do thank you for your at attendance here today and for all the kind expressions of sympathy they have received. You're invited to join them for refreshments at the Beaufort Hotel in Caldothel Road uh, following the internment in Kilveen Cemetery. And there's also donations can be given to the British Heart Foundation. I'm going to give the benediction in a, in a moment and I'm going to ask you to stand for that and also to remain standing while uh, the remains and the family leave the building. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.